it's a great to see you all. My name is uh, Mike Bro, in case you never met before, and I get to show up here from time to time. I'm, I kind of like that stray dog that showed up on your porch, and you fed him, and he showed up again. So that's, that's, that's me. One of my favorite things to do in the world is to hang out with the people of New Hope, and I've been coming here for, man, over six years now, and love you all so much. And I've been hearing so many great things that uh, is going on here, um, things you're doing in the community, really grateful for uh, Reese and the team that's here, and really, I literally pray for this church every single day of my life. And, and I wish I could be here uh, more often, but I'm excited to be here today because we're kicking off a brand new series uh, this weekend that we're super excited about. You know how some people are name droppers? You know what I'm talking about? They try to impress you with who they know. They're like saying, yeah, I was, I was, uh, I was talking to Coach K the other day, and Roy Williams walked up. <laughs> And Roy asked me a question. I said, I really don't know. Let me, let me text my girl Oprah and see what she, you know. You know, people, people like that, just dropping names trying to impress you. Did you know that Jesus was a name dropper? But in the very best version of the term. You, mean, you might have heard of a time when God meets with this guy named Moses on the backside of a mountain called Sinai. He was in the middle of nowhere just tending sheep. And Moses sees this bush on fire. And the bush won't burn up. And Moses thinks, that's weird. I'll go check that out. So he walks over and through this bush, the inextinguishable God speaks to him and tells him that he has chosen him to lead his people Israel out of slavery. Moses, and Moses says to God, okay, uh, suppose I go. Don't you love this? He's going, hypothetically speaking, let's just say I sign up for this assignment. If I were to do this, and, 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 and I go to the Israelites and I tell them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, oh, really? What's his name? What am I going to tell them? And this is what God says to Moses. I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am sent me to you. That just gives me chills every time I read it. Now fast forward thousands of years later and Jesus shows up on the scene and guess what name he drops? I am. I am the light of the world. I am the vine. I am the good shepherd. I am the gate. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the resurrection and the life. When Jesus stood accused of blasphemy before the religious council and they asked him, are you the Christ? Are you the promised Messiah? Are you claiming to be the one sent from the, from the blessed one? You know how Jesus responded? I am. He stands before Pilate on his balcony, the Roman governor, drenched in his own blood, and Pilate says, are you a king? I am. The same God who spoke to Moses through a burning bush was the same God who spoke to Pilate on that balcony. The same God is Jesus, the great I am. And I can't wait for you to get to know him better uh, during this series. All, all of these I am statements of Jesus are found in the Gospel of John. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books of the New Testament. They're called the Gospels, which just means the good news about God's love. And if you're brand new to the Bible, John is a really great place to start. Um, uh, we're we're going to be hanging there for the next few weeks. And John writes as an eyewitness. He was part of the inner circle of Jesus, kind of in this small group. Even refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. They were super close friends. And John would write three other books in the New Testament of the Bible because his, he'd been forever changed by his relationship with Jesus. And this is what he writes in 1 John. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, in other words, the I am, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes. We touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. 
This one who is life itself was revealed to us and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we're writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. He said, I'm writing this down so you can get to know this guy too because he's the most amazing person who ever walked the planet. We're not making this up. We saw him, we touched him, we, we, we saw the calluses on his hands from working as a Judean carpenter. We hugged his rugged body. We sat around campfires together. We laughed together, we cried together, we ate together, we prayed together, we sang together, we listened to him tell these amazing stories. I'm telling you, he's the greatest person you'll ever meet in your life. He is the great I am, always has been, always will be. He is life, and just like him, that life is eternal. I'm telling you all this so that you can know this life too. He said, we saw him do so many things. We saw him turn water into wine, we, we saw him make crooked legs straight. We saw him restore the sight to the blind. We, we saw him make lepers clean. We watched him drive out demons. We watched him walk on water. He calmed the storm one night. He called a dead man out of a tomb. And you should have seen this one time. <laughs> and he writes about it in John chapter six. Now I wanna quickly go through the story, but then I, I really wanna focus on the seldom told story after the story. The scene is this, Jesus is on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and a bunch of people, like thousands of people, were tracking with him because of the things they had heard and things they had seen. So Jesus is sitting on this hillside, and he sees this huge throng of people coming out to him, and he says to one of his guys, a guy named Philip, he goes, hey, uh, where are we gonna buy enough bread to feed all these people? And it says in verse six that Jesus already knew what he's planning to do, just wanted to kind of engage Philip in the process, and Philip shoots back, excuse me, feed them? You're talking about feeding all these people. You see, do you see how many people are walking over here? It would take a half a year's pay to feed all these people and they still would just get like one little bite. Are you kidding me? Feed them? Well, it seems like another one of Jesus' disciples, Andrew, who is Peter's fam less famous brother, overhears. And I don't know if he's joking or not, but he says, hey, uh, I found a kid with uh, five small barley loaves and two small fish, but there's no way he's gonna feed all these people. And Jesus says, that'll do. Tell everyone to sit down. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish. And they all ate as much as they wanted. What? They all ate as much as they wanted? He then tells the guys to gather up the leftovers and they come back with 12 basketfuls, perhaps one basket per guy as a personal reminder of just who it is that they are following. And then he says, then it says, when the people, then John writes this, when the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, surely he is the prophet we've been expecting. Talking about the much uh, expected and anticipated promised Messiah. When Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be their king, he slipped away into the hills by himself. You know, one of the things I, I, I love about Jesus, he wasn't about chasing likes. Come on. Come on. He, he, didn't, he didn't cave in to popularity polls. He didn't do what politicians do and just give them what, the, what they want, play to the crowd. 
He would often do this. He would slip away and refocus on why he had come so that he could give all of us what we needed, which is forgiveness. He would slip away and find the resolve to go through with God's plan to lay down his life, to be a king on a cross, dying for the sins of the world. That's why he came. But that's not what they were looking for. They wanted a political messiah. They wanted an economic savior. They were looking for this military conqueror who could come and just squash Rome. And after what he's done, they're thinking, maybe he's the one. I've never seen anything like this. We've always heard there's no such thing as a free lunch, but apparently there is. Let's make him our king because we, we would definitely follow a guy like that. Really? Really? You know, the story begins by saying that large crowds were following Jesus. And the word used here for following doesn't mean like devoted follower of Jesus. It just means they were sort of tagging along. Just caught up in the hype. You know, jumping on the Jesus bandwagon. They wanted him to be their meal ticket. So it says, after the miracle of feeding them, he sends the 12 guys to the boat with their 12 baskets of leftovers and tells them, you guys head over to Capernaum, uh, go across the Sea of Galilee, I'll catch up later. And then he uniquely does that night. He walks across the sea to their boat, totally freaks them out. That's another story for another time, but it really did freak them out. So, so the next day, Jesus is teaching at the local synagogue on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and the bandwagon crowds find him. Now, there's no internet, there's no cable news, there's no CNN, Fox News, but word is traveling fast. So the crowds find Jesus and they gather around him and say, Jesus, hey, uh, do that thing you do. And in fact, it's, it's getting close to lunch. Uh, that, that thing you did over there on the other side with the fish and the bread, man, could you do that again? Come on, do some miracles. Could you give, give us a sign? And Jesus sees this as a teaching moment and he says... I tell you the truth, you want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs, so don't, don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you, for God the Father has given me his seal of approval. And then he tells them this, this is the only work God wants from you, believe in the one he has sent. Just follow me. Y'all ever get cravings? I don't know how many, how many women when you were pregnant, did you get, anybody get weird cravings? My wife, Debbie, craved great popsicles for some reason. I have no idea. Uh, sometimes I get a craving for popcorn or pizza or some chips and salsa or a Snickers because it satisfies you. But, <laughs> but is, is there anything that really satisfies? Is there anything that really, really crave, curbs the craving? Is, is there any experience, anything you can eat, any, any place you can go that'll make you say, oh, well, after that, I'll never need anything more. Jesus is saying, well, actually there is. I can give you food that lasts forever. I can give you food that satisfies the appetite in your empty soul for eternity. Now, of course, Jesus is talking about deep soul satisfaction, talking about spiritual hunger, eternal life. And all this crowd is thinking about is another free lunch. And then Jesus does it. He drops his name. He says, verse 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. 
He says, I am the bread of life that has come down from heaven. And the crowd begins to murmur. What? The bread of life come down from heaven? No, you're not. You came down from Nazareth. We, we know your folks. Joseph is your daddy, not God. You're, you're JC from the block. You know, I, I bought a bookshelf. I bought a bookshelf from you years ago. I remember you and your dad framing a house down the street from us. You expect us to believe that, that you came down from heaven? Knowing that they were only looking to him as their meal ticket, Jesus, he just, I love this, he cranks up the what the heck factor. He starts talking about spiritual bread, spiritual drink. He starts talking about what they couldn't foresee coming, but he knew, the cross, where his body would be broken and his blood would be spilled for the sins of everybody in that crowd. And check out what Jesus says. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes has eternal life. Yes, I am the bread of life. Then he starts to talk about the way God in the Old Testament provided daily bread for the people of Israel called manna came down from heaven. Every morning it was fresh for them. He says, your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness. You've heard about that. And as awesome as that was, guess what? They all died. But anyone who eats the bread from heaven, however, will never die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread which I offer so, so the world may live is my flesh. And then he closes by saying this. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise them up at the last day for my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. And the people went, huh? <laughs> Excuse me? Uh, did you just say eat my flesh and drink my blood? Whoa, hang on, hang on a second. Verse 60, on hearing this, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. <laughs> Who can accept it? So, so the people are grumbling. You, you would be too, right? They're going, man, this is way too weird. Sure, he's the most incredible teacher we've ever heard in our life. Sure, he works miracle after miracle. For certain, the lame can walk and the blind can see and the deaf can hear and lepers are cleansed and demons run. Plus, a whole bunch of us just saw him feed 5,000 people with like a little kid's happy meal. This talk about coming down as bread from heaven, coming from his father, eating his flesh, drinking his blood. You know what? I don't think he's going to feed us again today, do you? No, I don't think he is either. This is, this is getting too weird. And you know as the people grumble, the 12 are starting to panic. They're thinking, oh my goodness, Jesus, come on. Don't lose the following you've worked so hard to build. Jesus, we need to chat for a second. Excuse us, everybody. Uh, Jesus will be right back. Bartholomew was going to play a little music, and, uh, and Nathaniel and, and Simon will take your drink orders, and we're just going to have a brief intermission because uh, we, had, we had an unbelievable, crazy night last night. We'll tell you about it some other time where Jesus came. Never, never mind. But it, never, none of us slept much, especially Jesus. He'll be right back. You know that they wanted to take him aside and say, what are you doing? You're losing the crowd, all this work, all these people. Your popularity polls are off the chart right now. You had them exactly where you wanted them. You're building your kingdom. You're building your political empire. Just, just feed them again. What's the big deal? You have the power. Walk on water for them like you did for us last night, Jesus. You're losing the crowd. And besides all that, we've we got to remind you, you got enemies. 
The crowd is the only thing that has kept the religious Pharisees from taking you out. They're afraid of the people. The crowd is, and they say this, the crowd is our only buffer. We lose their protection, we're all in trouble. Now, we don't know if they actually said or did any of that, but you know they wanted to because their hopes were pinned to this guy. They left everything to follow him, so their minds are swirling. It says in verse 61, Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining, so he said to them, does this offend you? Does this bother you too? This too much for you all? And he says to the crowd, I, I know that you've been following me. Not because you've seen the supernatural activity of God in your midst, but because I fed you. Your hearts reveal that you have no desire to see the real miracle that God has actually come down to be with you, to free you, to save you, to forgive you, to give you eternal life. You're just looking for another temporary free meal. In verse 66, one of the saddest verses, I think, in the entire New Testament. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Just like we can do on our social media platforms, they decided to hit the unfollow button, right? Now, unfollow. Hey, Jesus, been fun. Love all the miracles. Love the free dinners. Love the healings. And for a minute there, man, we, we had hoped that you might be our king. You had us going, but all this crazy talk about coming down out of heaven, and you and the Father and sin and flesh and blood and death, we, we just can't go there with you. Sorry to do this, but unfollow. And I'm just telling you, if you haven't already been there, there's gonna come a time in your life where you will be tempted to hit the unfollow Jesus button too. It's when the miracles don't come the prayers feel unheard or when pressure mounts and life gets really, really hard or everybody else seems to be walking a different way and you're gonna be tempted to say, you know what, I think I'm done with this whole following Jesus. Unfollow. I think I'm done. And because I know how personally I might have reacted in this moment, you know that the 12, as they're watching the masses turn to leave, they're probably thinking, you know, maybe they're right. Maybe we should unfollow too. Obviously, the majority must be right. And it's so cool, after time after time, the scripture says that Jesus knew what people were thinking ahead of time. By the way, he knows your heart, he knows your mind, knows mine too. He would sometimes ask a question before they even had a chance to articulate one. And he does it here. He turns to his guys, he says this. You don't want to leave too, do you? You guys aren't thinking what I think you're thinking, are you? You guys thinking about checking out too? And I can imagine their heads are down, shuffling their feet, nervous, and they don't know what to do with their hands. You guys thinking about leaving me too? And I'm telling you, this question is so relevant for us because there really is gonna come a day. It might come during some kind of transition in your life, maybe from junior high to high school or from high school to college when you join a fraternity or a sorority or you're sitting in a class where some professor is making fun of you for all these fairy tales that you believe or when you take a new job or you move to a new town all of a sudden you're surrounded by all these new people who do not believe the same thing you believe about God and about Jesus and about life. In fact, in this new environment, it's not cool at all to believe. And in those moments, you're going to feel so alone, so isolated, that you're going to think about hitting unfollow, just unfollow. Or it's going to be, 
you finally get that invitation, that wild party you've been hearing about, that crazy spring break trip that you've been hearing so much about. And in those moments, you get thinking, you know what? Jesus is screwing all that up. He is so inconvenient. Faith is such a drag. He's what's keeping me from all this fun and all this freedom. And even though there's a whole bunch of us in this place that would want to scream at you, oh, come on, don't fall for those lies because we've been there. You're just going to wreck your life. Only Jesus brings real freedom and fun and fullness to life. Still in those moments, you will be tempted to hit the unfollow button. Or maybe during a tough time in your life or you're going through some hard things, the cancer isn't healed. And the miscarriages keep happening. And you feel like God isn't close. And you feel like God is not answering your prayers, at least the way you think he should. And instead of just trusting his unfailing love for you and leaning into him for strength and the peace that he gives, instead of resting in his promises of hope and heaven, in those moments, you're going to be tempted. Unfollow. And I'm just telling you because I've been there. In those moments, Jesus will look at you with eyes of love and will whisper in your spirit, you're not thinking about leaving too, are you? He asked guys like Peter, James, and John, Matthew, Andrew, is this too costly? Is this too hard? You, you, you thinking about checking out? You, you want to do your own thing? You, you guys want to unfollow too? And it's Peter who often blurted out the wrong thing at the wrong time. Who gets it right this time? And his question is a question that you and I will have to come back to time and time again during those times of transition or temptation or trauma when we're about to bail on the whole following Jesus thing. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Here's Peter going, where else are we going to go? Like who else is there? We have just seen and heard way too much. For starters, you just fed 5,000 people with two fish and five loaves of bread. We watched it happen. We got 12 baskets of leftovers out in the boat. And then you walked over here on the waves. I even walked out to you last night. You rescued me from drowning. You, you speak truth like no one we've ever heard. You embody love and compassion like nobody we've ever seen. You include everybody. You always keep your word. Jesus, I have scrolled through all the options. To whom shall we go? And before you and I would ever walk away from following Jesus, we got to ask the same question. Where are we going to go? Where else? What else? Who else? Peter says, you alone have the words of eternal life. You've invited us to live forever. Nobody else can do that. Now, I don't quite understand all the eat my flesh, drink my blood stuff yet, but I'm sure I will someday. But I do believe that you are the bread of life that came down from heaven so that we could live forever. And personally, I'll never forget when you stopped by the beach that day and James and John and Andrew and I were cleaning our nets and you invited us into an adventure that was bigger than our lives. You invited us to play a part in the epic story of God. You invited us, guys like us, into a, passion, a life of passion and, and purpose. You told us that we could become history maker someday. So where else are we going to go? Jesus, I would rather die for something than live for nothing. And yeah, you know, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's confusing. And I don't understand your strategy. I don't get the way you're going to pull off your whole kingdom on earth or what that kingdom will even look like. But leave, walk away, unfollow you. No way. To whom shall we go? And gang, you and I have been invited to follow the Savior of the world, the maker of the universe, the great I am, who holds the keys of life and death, the one who came back from the dead. He is the bread of life, 
who deeply satisfies. He is the light of the world that makes the darkness tremble. And he is, like we sing around here, a miracle worker. The breath in our lungs is an absolute miracle. The way blood surges through our body is an absolute miracle. Our salvation is a miracle. Our transformation as people is a miracle. Our sobriety is a miracle. Our freedom is a miracle. Our friendships are a miracle. Because that's who he is. And he has invited us into something that is bigger than ourselves. Gang, we get to do stuff with our lives. That lasts forever. We get to touch the lives of people in profoundly eternal ways. And if you walked away, you would not say, I'm so glad I quit following Jesus and went after the money and the cars and the fame and the highs and the unbridled sexual exploits, all the temporary thrills in life that leave a person absolutely empty. He has called you and me into a life of purpose. A life that matters, so much bigger than our comfort, so much bigger than our appetites and ourself. And if you would choose to hit the unfollow Jesus button, you would step away from real life. And you'd lose your identity and your purpose and your passion, your perspective on life, your compassion for other people, and your reason for living. And Peter realized that. And he says this, verse 69, we have come to believe, and we know, we know, you're the Holy One of God. Jesus, we've heard too much. We've seen too much. And not just with our eyes, but with our hearts. We know. We know. We've experienced you every day. We know that you are the promised one. So if, if we did leave like those people are leaving right now, we'd all be back in a couple days. I mean, to whom shall we go? I got a long list of friends I pray for every day that are going through tough stuff. And I personally think about this in hard times when I've been tempted to hit the unfollow button. And I think, you know what? Jesus performed like miracle after miracle. Jesus fulfills every single prophecy written about the promised Messiah, the Savior of the world that was to come. He touched people in ways that nobody else ever has. He broke down social, racial, economic barriers that existed. He stood up to injustice. He reached out with compassion. He gave people dignity and hope. He spoke truth that has set me free. He went to a cross and laid down his life because he loved me. He came back from the dead to prove that whoever believes in him will do the same thing. So where else am I going to go? He alone has the words of eternal life. He alone satisfies my craving for meaning. He alone sustains me when this life gets hard. He gives me this unexplainable peace in the middle of chaos. He alone fills my heart. I've considered all the options. I've searched all the options. To whom shall I go? I'm praying during this series you'll meet Jesus like you never have before. And you'll get to know him. Because we all got insecurities. We all got tough stuff. We all got fears, we all got anxieties, we all, we all got a bunch of questions walking through this life. You, you might have wondered, you know, who's, who's going to make sure that good will eventually prevail over evil? And Jesus drops his name and says, I am. Is there any really true, is there anything that's really true out there? I am. If my husband really does walk out on us, who's, who's gonna take care of us? 
I am? What if the chemo isn't enough? I am. Who's smart enough to figure out this crazy life of mine? I am. I desperately need something fresh in my life. I am. I'm so scared to walk the halls of my school. I got no friends. I am. Leaders are dropping like flies, man. Is there anybody out there who's real? I am. Nobody's listening. I am. Who's gonna stay with me in this big empty house now? I am. I'm going under. Somebody help. I am. My family deserves so much more than this. I am. This world is such a mess. Who will ever fix it? I am. Always have been. Always will be. I am. I'm going to give you some time today just to kind of sit in that. I'll give you some personal reflection. And while we're doing this, we're going to observe communion together. And you should just receive the communion elements on your way. And if you didn't, just raise your hand and we'll make sure somebody gets those to you. And, uh, and of course, uh, when we unwrap all this, and you, you can figure out how to do it, it's, it's pretty easy. Um, but uh, we, we don't literally eat his flesh and drink his blood. And uh, as weird as that sounds, we now know what that's all about. And so we get to symbolically eat the bread to remember that he is the bread of life. That his flesh was torn, his body was broken. For us and we drink the cup to remember that through his blood our sins have been totally washed away so we're just going to play a little music and give you some time to just personally reflect express your gratitude to Jesus for what he's done in your life talk to him about anything and just you can just take him whenever you feel led to take him in your own time and then I'll come back and, and, and wrap up is this King of Kings? I hear the words that you speak to me. I am the good, good shepherd. I
the privilege of getting to know the great I am. Just the one who just is. No beginning, no end, just is. What a privilege to get to know him and personally walk with God. And that's what God's always long. That's why he created us. Do life with him. And this invitation to follow Jesus is open to everybody. And he's the real deal. And uh, you know, John closes his gospel by saying, I wrote all this stuff down so that you might believe. And by believing, you'd have life in his name. And so if you want to talk to somebody about that today, the prayer team is going to be up front here. And uh, maybe you just come up and say, I want to talk to somebody about what it means to follow Jesus. Like those 37 people that went down the water last week, I want to know what that means. And I, I think I'm ready to follow him. I want to say I just believe that he is the one he claims to be. and uh, it's, We'd love to talk to you about that. Or if you've got anything else in your life you just need prayer for, a uh, prayer team would be down front, and they would love to pray with you about that. But I'm going to ask you right now, let's just stand up together, and let me close in prayer. And Father, I'm, I'm so grateful for this church, and I, I thank you for what you're doing. And uh, God, I, I'm... I'm so, so grateful for uh, this series that we're going to unpack and just to get to know you better and how, how you used all this imagery that we could understand, like just simple things like bread and gates and shepherds and, and vines and all that. You, got, you were just, Jesus, you were the master storyteller, you were a master illustrator. And even, even though some of the things you said was like, what? We look back and go, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for the way you invite all of us into a relationship with you. Thank you for the way you included everybody, no matter what they'd done, no matter what they looked like, no matter where they were from. You just accepted them and embraced them and you pointed them to a brand new life with you. God, I pray that happens during this series, that we get to know you better and we would all, all just embrace following you. And in those moments, God, we know they're coming when we're tempted to hit the unfollow button. I, I pray that those words of Peter would resonate in our hearts. Where else are we gonna go? You, you are the one who holds the, the keys to eternal life. And we're just gonna trust you through it all. Thank you, Father, for this experience today. And we pray this in all in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Hey, you guys have a great week. Great to be back with you guys.